You might have to run these slides. Did you do that or did I do that? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, we're not always polished here. It's just sort of a real kind of church. Let me pray. My Jesus, we are so grateful we are able to be found in your presence through your spirit already ministering through worship, through the breaking of bread. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would continue to minister in these moments as we seek your will in our relationships with you, with ourselves, and with one another. Lord, I know that in this very room, there is brokenness related to relationships. Whether something that's more recent or something that's carried a long history, may your grace abound in bringing us freedom and hope and strengthening the ties that bind. In your name we pray. Amen. So who's your BFF? Do you have one? I always thought that was sort of weird. Like, isn't that being a little exclusive? Like, I have a BFF. A best friend forever. Right? Was like, well, like, best friend forever? Like, like what if somebody else comes along later in life? Do they get sort of bumped down to second BFF? Or I, I, I don't know how that works, right? Or maybe they're just not best friend forever. They're just a better friend or something like that. Or then they just move to sort of good. Or then they're a fair friend forever. That wouldn't sound good, right? F, 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 that, you know. But, you know, what, uh, what is going on in your relational networks related to the friendships that you have? We've talked about that in the last coming weeks, that we're all human, and as human beings, inbred into the very essence of who we are, even beyond our DNA, the essence of who we are is we are communal beings. Why is it that solitary confinement is one of the worst punishments you can have if you're in prison? Because you're not wired that way. Now, some of you say, I wouldn't mind having some hermit space right now. Maybe that sounds pretty good. I don't know. Maybe you've been busy, right? But when you pull back, if there is no relational networks that you're involved in, you will not be fulfilled and you will also head towards a very despondent, depressing kind of life because you're wired. Made in the image of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. We don't fully understand it, but they're intermingling and and interacting with one another. God sent His Son. The Son sent the Spirit. The Spirit communes together in relating um, relationships back into the Trinity. The community of the Trinity is part of who God is. And so you and I, we're relational beings. And as relational beings, we are involved with other people's lives. How's that going? How's it going? Some of you may be in a place that you've got some good, strong relationships happening right now. Others are saying, well, I, I probably could replace that one friend that bailed on me this last week. Yeah, I don't know. But we have uh, given reference to three healthy relationships that need to be happening. And those relationships are based off of the Matthew 22 uh, passage, um, verse, 20, uh, verse 37. Rebecca, you're going to have to probably journey with me. I don't know why this is not working. 
So Matthew twenty two thirty seven says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets are summed up in those two commandments. And so from there, we got our three healthy relationships that, that need to have health in them. Your relationship with God, to love God. Your relationship with yourself, to love you. And your relationship with others, to love others. Now, someone asked me last week, well, Carrie, why is uh, the relationship with yourself second rather than third? Or even why is it on the list? Well, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, yourself was an assumed love. And we looked at that last week. And so it's assumed that you're going to love yourself. You're going to love yourself in light of how God loves you. It's not a self-centered, narcissistic kind of love. It's a love that comes because you realize your self-worth being made in the image of God. And he loves you. And what he did for you on the cross and through the power of the resurrection, that was for you. That you have this place in relationship with God. And because of that. There is a love for yourself and how you take care of yourself and move your agenda and your life forward. So it's second place. You love God, and then you love yourself, and then you can love others as yourself. Now, if you're not really loving yourself very well, then it might not be good for you to love others as yourself, right? Right? So that whole love yourself thing last week, that's pretty important. Not in a narcissistic way, but in a God-centered way. And I was surprised, well, maybe I wasn't surprised, I know myself, that last week hit close to home with a lot of you. When we said, stop beating yourself up, there is someone who was beat up for you, and he died on a cross, and he broke the chains of Satan, and you cannot allow yourself to look in the mirror and beat yourself up. You need to see that you're made in the image and redeemed by God, and that moves you then forward. Have you been looking in the mirror, having the relationship with yourself this week? How's that going? A little bit better, maybe? All right, well, we're going to move to this whole idea of friendships. The idea of friendships and loving other people. And we are going to look at a strategic passage. It's really actually a very practical passage. And I want you to turn in your scriptures, or I put it on the back of your program this morning, to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. So read through this. It's I mean, I don't know that you can get a more practical passage than what's being outlined here. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
And do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, rubber hits the road as we share with this. It's sort of great to be able to focus on the real relationships while we're here at church, and we can sort of be in agreement with that. But what's going to happen this week? What happens this week when you're at work, around the water cooler, on lunch break, whatever, and all of a sudden there's conversation and discussion and thoughts that just aren't helpful to you and your friendships? What about the text that you end up getting this week? from somebody that seems to be awful insensitive, or, or maybe it's your best friend, your BFF, that sort of stabs you in the back, or isn't there for you when something happens. That's where the rubber hits the road is this week. So I want to talk to you about becoming a good friend. Becoming a good friend. And we're going to look at six challenges from this practical section of Scripture. And the first challenge comes from The first phrase, love must be sincere. It's this challenge. Become a one-faced friend with no hidden agenda. Do you know what a two-faced person is? Maybe they're a three-faced, four-faced. They're this way around one person, and then you turn and they're this way around another person. And you're like, well, wait a second, I, I, I don't, sincere means authentic, not phony, not a hypocrite. So if love is going to be sincere in your friendships and you're becoming that kind of person, then you need to not be a two-faced individual. But why are we two-faced sometimes? Have you thought about this? Well, I don't, whether you're in high school or whether you're in a, in a I don't know, a nursing home facility. I mean, it happens in our whole life. We can be one way around one person, one way around another person, and the reason is because we're wanting acceptance. We're wanting acceptance from this kind of group, but then we're wanting acceptance from this kind of group, so we'll act this way here and act that way there. And all that's going on is because there is a lack of acceptance inside of us with who we are. And our relationship with God. That's why the relationship will love God, love yourself. That's the order. And then love others. If you do not have the love of God and his acceptance working vibrantly in your life and accepting who he's made you to be, then you're going to be seeking that out in all kinds of different ways. And sometimes love today can be very phony. It can be very, um, I don't want to say uh, manipulative, But it can be, because you are seeking for something that God intended for you to have in and of yourself. In fact, there's sometimes that uh, we actually rejoice in some of the conflict that comes our way. Do you know what happens when there's conflict in your relationship? You have the opportunity to pit one person against the other, and maybe you'll end up... Uh, with the conflict that's going on, sort of fan it into flame. And as you fan it into flame, then they are going to uh, be endeared towards you because you're for them and you're against these people over here. And so you become two-faced. 
You sort of see it in politics a lot of times, right? You're trying to endear yourself to some base, electoral base, and so you'll show one face this way. Oh, this is what I believe, and this is what I think. And then, oh, I'm now around another group, so let me be this way. And you go, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not being authentic. Your love is not sincere. And it's not sincere because you're feeding the conflict so that people will be endeared towards you if you side with them. So there's your straightforward challenge number one. And I don't know, on these six challenges today, maybe you can just pull one and try to work on that. Are you a two-faced person? And why is that? I mean, now you don't intend to be the two-faced. I understand that. It's like, well, I, I want to be an inauthentic two-faced person. No, how you're walking out your friendships, people don't quite know who you are. But you've got to ask the deeper questions, what's going on? And it's an acceptance issue. It's an acceptance issue because there's not a sense of just being comfortable in your own skin who you are. Think about all the emotional energy you and I spend trying to be somebody that we're not. You ever get tired of doing that? Just be who God's made you to be and be on that path. And then as you have your relationship with others, you'll be transparent. You will not be fake. And you will not carry some hidden agenda. Uh, Challenge number two comes right on the next words, right? Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So challenge number two is this. Extinguish evil and celebrate good to protect friendships. Extinguish evil and celebrate good to protect friendships. Do you ever have some friendships that sort of deteriorated And maybe they're not even friends anymore. And you have to ask yourself, why has that happened in my friendship? And you can't really point to something like big, big that went boom in the relationship. It was just sort of some small little things that started to bring a lack of connectedness. And so you grew distant from one another. Because there were some, you might not label them as evil, But there was some wrongs that came up, and they were not righted. They were not um, corrected, all right? It says here that you're to detest what is evil. That's what hate means, detest. Is there anything you detest in life? Maybe it's some kind of food or something, right? Yeah, I can't deal with that, right? Or, or maybe it's some sports team. I can detest that sports team, right? But, But you need to detest one thing. Satan and his evil. And when you spot it, you say, nope, that's not good. I am not going to allow that to happen in our relationship. You know, it's sort of how gossip starts to happen. Somebody says something about so-and-so. You've been in these circles? And gossip now has not only happened in voice-to-voice, it happens through social media and other kinds of things. And do you step out of your comfort zone and say, wait a second, Stop it. That's not right. That is not true. And then you have to turn towards celebrating that which is good. You need to de-escalate. De-escalate evil things and escalate that which is good. I've always carried this sort of analogy. I I, I usually reference it if you want to be in leadership, but uh, it's really true for all of us. 
And that is that if you are out there front and you're dealing with um, situations and circumstances, whether it's in a church or your business uh, or, I don't know, your social networks, and you want to sort of lead and do well, you need to be carrying two buckets. You need to be carrying a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline. If you hear or see something that is wrong, not true, you need to douse it with water. And if you hear or see something that is good and needs to catch on more fire, then douse it with some gasoline. Or another analogy is someone who sees a fire maybe happening in a, in a, in a particular canister or something, and they go and grab the lid and they stuff the lid on it and they say, stop it, we've got to put that fire out. And then other people come and they throw gasoline in the canister. Whoosh! Before you know it, the whole city's caught on fire. How'd that happen? That's why gossip is. If you see or hear or you're out there leading or being a friend and something is not right, is not true, then you need to extinguish evil. Hate evil. Cling to what is good means you actively do something to snuff it out. But if it's good, cling to what is good, then uphold it. Actually, I had something. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't share these kinds of things. Oh, well, that's me. Um, with all the good stuff that's happened in the last uh, few weeks, something came to my attention from someone this last week about something that was said about our church. And I'm like, that, that like, <clears throat> that is not true. <laughs> you know? I know it's not true because I was involved in the situation. And, and it bothers me. Because I want everybody to think well, right? Or at least, hey, come. You know, I can wear a placard as a lead pastor. If you got a question, you got a problem, come talk to me. Don't be doing in runs. I really try to be accessible. But I'm like, <clears throat> that's not true. And that can go in bad places. And I'm part of me wanted to to go and just snuff it out. And I got some good counsel that maybe if I tried to do something about it, it would probably be putting gas on it and then that would really explode. So I think the wise counsel that was given to me was just back away and let it sort of die its own natural death. But you're always getting reads on what's happening out there, what's being said not only maybe about your church, your family, but what's being said about you. And it's hard. But what about what's being said about other people? Are you someone who extinguishes evil? Did you practice, all right, de-escalating evil things and escalating that which is good. Why? Why do we end up not always dousing it with the right bucket? Why are we sometimes involved in gossip? Why do we sometimes relish a good story that we can pass on about someone? Did you know? I think it comes back again to who we are and what we are rooted in in our own personal lives. Here's the reality. As sons and daughters of God, our focus needs to be on what God has done for us. He did not take our bad stuff, our sin, and make it the business of the whole world. He did something with it. And He took it to the cross. And because of what Jesus did for us with our bad stuff, we need to also do and help others do. Douse it. Put it out. 
I'm not saying sweep it under the rug, ignore something that needs to be dealt with. Maybe there's some tough love in it. But are you a person that is able to de-escalate that which is evil and escalate that which is good? Do you assume the best of people? Or do you assume the worst? I understand as we go through life, especially if we've had some hard things happen to us, people done us wrong, there's some other tragedies that happen. There's a, there's a tendency for us as we get older to become cynical and jaded. You ever get concerned about that in your own life? I don't want to become a cynical, jaded, older person. Some of the greatest saints uh, I've been around are people that they just have a whole soul. And yeah, they probably live on meager ends. There's not a lot of things going on, but they are able to carry on um, with hearts of gratitude and love for other people. They're not jaded. They're not cynical. Keep the gospel of Jesus Christ forefront in your life. Continue to remember what he's done for you. Live in that strength. And become a friend. Become a friend who's always thinking the best. Now, it doesn't mean there's not a need maybe to check out if there's truth there and deal with it and do some tough love. But I would want my long friendships for people to treat me as I really am or that they've known me with. That they don't move to jaded thinking as their first resort. You know, there's a passage in... Matthew 18, it's called the conflict peacemaking passage. That if there is something between you and a brother or a sister, whether in the faith or just as a friend, and something's happened, you need to go directly to them. Don't do the end run. Don't gossip. You go and tell them, I believe that you've sinned against me or we have this disconnect going on. It's your responsibility, your responsibility, yours and mine, to take the initiative. Well, I'm not going to go tell them. They may slam the door in my face. They may. But biblically, we're to go to them one-on-one, it says in Matthew 18. And if that doesn't work, then it says, you know, take a couple friends with you to sit down and have a third-party person. Work it through. Talk it out. What, What is it there that's crumbled that relationship? My goodness, relationships, friendships are precious. And why did it, how did it get here? Because we didn't deal with it back here. We didn't cling to that which was good. Uh, we cling to that which was evil and suspicion and, 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 and thinking the worst. And then it says, if it doesn't work out with a couple friends going and dealing with it together with you in the mix with the other person, then take it to the church or bring in some spiritual, more godly counsel maybe. Biblically, we are to deal with this, especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to know this, whether you've been in this church or other churches. I tell you what undermines churches, it's division. Because Satan wants to pit people one against another, and you have to fight ferociously to make sure that you hate what is evil and you cling to what is good. Challenge number three, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Challenge number three is pretty simple, straightforward. Be an open-handed friend who shares with the hurting or with the needy. You ever hear something where somebody's in need and you go, oh, wow, that's that's too bad for them. I'll pray for you. And prayer's good if indeed we pray for them. But sometimes it's not the prayer that's needed. Sometimes it's just the action point of saying, hey, your house burned down? That's 
that's really bad. It, it, you want some of my furniture, right? So it's, it comes down to these practical kinds of aspects that we are open-handed friends to be able to deal with and encourage people. If you're going to um, become a great friend, you need to not be two-faced. You need to cling to that which is good and not evil. And you need to be open-handed friends that are willing to give out of your life. Now, number four gets a little bit more challenging. Be a friend who rises above the fray in everyday life. Be a friend who rises above the fray in everyday life. The scriptures teach that uh, we are um, to bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse, right? We need to make sure that we are individuals who... um, are not going to get caught up in the conflict or the fight. One way to say it is that you you don't have to go to every fight that you're invited to. And sometimes there's those fights. That's the sort of thing that conflict that happened to me this week. It's like, ah, I'm going to defend the church about that one. I'm like, no, the person says, just you don't need to go to that fight. Just let it go and trust God in it. I'm like, okay, all right, I will do that. Um, so I am going to rise above the fray. And the fray means a fighting, a conflict, an eternal uh, tribulation aspect. It actually goes on and it says there just a little bit later, it says, you know, do not uh, repay anyone evil for evil. And then verse 14 says this, bless those, you got it, verse 14 there, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which is a term of blessing because they carried fires from one place to another. Um, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be a friend who rises above the fray. Do not feel like you have to get back at someone. You can decline whatever comes your way and say, that's none of my business. I'm going to stay clear from that. You move forward. You trust God. You trust God that, you know, he has a plan for your life and that that's what you need to be consumed with. And you don't need to go down that rabbit trail and be you know, taken in by those people. I, I have always, um, since getting to know God deeper and deeper in the early years of my life, found great comfort in the reality that God knows everything. God knows everything, and God also is the perfect and just God. And... There is no one who is going to get off the hook with evil. No one. Now, if that person comes to Christ, yes, the grace of God can change and transform with that. But you do not have to be vindictive. You do not have to go back and repay in kind for how that person treated you. Just stop. Because it'll begin eating you up in the directions you go with that. And and it'll be seen that way by even others. It's like, wow, they're always trying to get back in an individual. I wonder what they would end up doing with me in my life. Just let God be God and let him operate. And you get consumed with what his agenda is for you. Because when you defer to God, 
in that sense, you're really honoring the size of a great God. I have a God who knows all things, who is a just God, and that God will be able to make all things that are wrong right. That is not for me to take on as a human being, so I defer that to them, to him. doesn't mean you become a doormat, all right? But it means that you are trusting God to intervene and work in that situation in your life. And sometimes it's going to take a long time to wait God out, maybe into eternity, but he will. He will not let things go unnoticed. So then number five challenge. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. We get this from challenge five. Float freely between all people in their good times and their bad. Float freely. Be a friend who is always there. A friend who's there when the party's on. And when the party's down, when the person is on a high and you can celebrate and rejoice with them, but they've also found devastation in the heart. I, you know, I had one of those awkward moments uh, here recently where someone called I hadn't seen from or heard from for a while. So I answered the phone. Hey, hey, how's it going, man? And the first words out of their mouth was, my mom just died. Ooh, feel a little awkward in that moment? But my friend, you immediately right size with where they're at what's going on with their life, and you're empathizing and you're encouraging, you're with them in those kind of moments. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Actually, that's a phrase that some of the children in my family got tired of me saying sometimes because I used to maybe use it in the wrong way. I don't know, maybe I still do. When it's like they're, some, they're jealous of something else happening to someone else and it's not happening to them, I say, well, you rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, that's nice, Dad. Thank you very much. I'm tired of hearing that. But it means be there for everybody in whatever season their life in. Are, are, are you one of those friends that like to be friends when things are going well, but not when they're not going well? It's like, oh, man, they got a successful business. I'm your friend, man. Let's head out tonight and celebrate. You lost your business? Oh, okay. See you later. Or, man, you know, I really don't care for them, but they've got the happening pool. And we're showing up at their place all summer long. Oh, can't show up at their place now, so we'll distance myself. Fair weather friends. You know what I'm saying with this. And scripture is pretty clear here. And live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Are you able to float amongst different kinds of people? Like rich people and poor people. People that are from your geographical turf and people that aren't. People that you have an affinity for and those maybe that you don't. See, I think when you find your acceptance from God and you you love yourself because of that relationship with him, it frees you up that you're not demanding something from other people, uh, whether it's for your happiness or to get something from them, and you can just freely flow with all different kinds of people. So whether it's the up-and-uppers or the down-and-outers, you're, you're all right working with them. I think it's one of the beauties that can happen in a church environment. All of us are from different backgrounds, different family backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. But at the foot of the cross, the gospel ports in a levelness at the foot of the cross where we are all just saved, redeemed sinners. There is no 
purse that has a U-Haul behind it, though I do know that our mortuary people have shown me a picture where that was true once. So it's this idea that you don't take anything with you. We are human beings, so the ground's level at the foot of the cross. The challenge. Float freely between all people in their good times and their bad. If their business goes under, you be there for them. If you find out that one of their children is pregnant out of wedlock, you be there for them. Good times and the bad. Becoming a great friend. And number six then. Number six follows on the heels of all that. And number six comes down to this. Live at peace with others as far as it depends on you. And that's just pulled straight out of what the passage says. We are called to live at peace with others, even if they do not want to be peaceable with us. The gospel is only powerful for changing you, not them. But if it changes you, you can be at peace with them. I mean, you can be at peace with God about this situation. You may not have peace with them, but you can have peace towards them. So, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Some may say, well, that's fine for you, but I'm never going to be talking to you again. That's all right. You don't need to carry that with you forward. If you dealt with it before God and you've sought to make a point of reconciliation or have peace, then let it go. You have peace towards them, even though you don't yet have peace with them. And that ability to do that, I believe, comes from the heart of God as well. There's three kinds of peace I just want to leave you with. The peace with God, the peace with yourself, and the peace with others. If you've never had the opportunity to have peace with God, you can have it through what we celebrated here around the Lord's table today. Jesus Christ took upon himself all of your sins. Past, present, and future. He died for those sins. He nailed them to the cross. He took upon the punishment. You can have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, then you gain the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, then you can have peace with who God has made you to be in and of yourself, and then you're able to extend that peace with others. Six challenges straight from Romans 12. Let's put them into practice this week. Let's become the kind of friends God has called us to have with others for his glory and for the transformation of other people's lives. Let's pray.